Warning. The following show contains material that may not be suitable for children, Bible thumpers, or conservatives. Do not attempt to recreate any of the stories from the show as this may result in harm or anal tears. Viewer discretion is advised. Oh my god. Jesus. Guys, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of the gay bible thank you all to the faggots the queers the they thems the ladies the gays everybody for returning to this lovely sunday service i'm not gonna lie it's been weird this is like the first episode that i've done in a long time that's just a solo it's just me the mic the computer and we are not in our usual studio this week no 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 we're not it's a little uh it's a little different it's changed We've been making big boy moves these past three months. Now, our usual studio would just usually just be me with a mic, my computer, just sitting on my ass in my childhood bedroom. But today is the Lord's motherfucking day. And we're doing things a little bit uh, different. Okay. Okay. Today, we are sitting in my own motherfucking apartment, bitch. My own couch that I got for free. Thank you for whoever left it. And (laughs) no, it's such a nice couch. I was like, oh my God. I was just like, this is really nice. I was just like, we're blessed. That's all I'm going to say about that. And you hear that, guys? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. No screaming dogs. No fucking Fox News playing in the background. No grandpa asked me where the fucking milk is. I love you, Grandpa, but I I don't know. I I probably drank it all. I'm not going to lie. It's just me, myself, and I, and we have been having the greatest threesome for the past three months of, I I will comfortably say, my entire fucking life. I remember moving into this apartment, and I... I started crying because there was no noise. There was nothing, no chaos, no nothing. And if my family's listening, I love you. But Lord have mercy. Y'all were hard as fuck to to live with. Oh my God. (laughs) And I mean that in the most respectful way where it's just like, you know, when you're living with a family, like that's a lot of different personalities living in one space together. But in absolutely no way do I mean in any way that I don't love my family. I'm just... You know what? You guys get what I mean. I love you guys. That's all I needed to say. And that's on period. Now, full disclosure, this will be our very last single episode before the final interview. And that will be my coming out story. And that one, ladies and homos and faggots, I get to be interviewed by somebody that means a lot to me. So I'm definitely excited for y'all to hear that. And, you know, a lot of people might think like, oh, it's just a coming out story. Like, why does it have to be the season final? Like, why do you have to have all of this built up tension for it? Like, why do you have to give it so much power? 
Like, it's just a coming out story. I'll be very blunt with you. There are not a ton of people that know my full coming out story. And the coming out story for this one does not mean, oh my God, like this was, this is X, Y, and Z of how I came out. This is giving everybody that's tuned in from the very beginning, people who have met me that have started to tune in, people who just met me and started to tune into the show. This will give you a full 360 view of like in depth of who I am as a person, where I come from, where there's no questioning anymore. I feel like it will be a very special moment for me to be able to share with my friends, my family, new friends that I've met, or anybody that's just really come to terms with the show and kind of found themselves here. And it's just, it's a part of me that I've never wanted to share because I've been too fucking scared to do it. I know people probably definitely had really crazy, traumatic coming out stories, but at the end of the day, this ain't the trauma fucking Olympics. I'm just here to share my story for people who just want to listen. And I feel like after people listen to that episode, I feel like a lot of people that have come into my life will, I think, be able to understand why the way that I am and just how far I've come from that coming out story. Um, Because again, it's not just the X, Y, and Z coming out story. I will be talking about my childhood. I will be talking about my upbringing, how I think, why I think the certain way that I do, and just kind of going from there. I mean, I'm nervous. I used to allow my coming out story to hold such a great amount of power to me, but now I'm just ready to kind of just be free from it and stop allowing that trauma and those past horrible experiences to just dictate who I am right now and just completely moving on and just, you know, saying to yourself, I'm grateful for those experiences because it's brought me to who I am right now. So that's all I have to say about that. Again, I'm excited to share that story with y'all. I really am. This first season essentially was to just lay the foundation out of who I am as a person, what I believe in, the tips and tricks that I've learned for sex ed and navigating this gay community, because guess what? It's a fucking maze. It is a complete maze. But the whole goal of the show was to just put a little bit of a cushion for people that are just coming out or just coming out in this community and just kind of cushioning that fall a little bit, you know, because you will fall. No doubt in my fucking mind, you will fall. But I just wanted to create something that it's a good introduction to where when you go out into this scenario or this environment, you're not fucking blind. So I hope that I was able to do that. If this could at least just help one person, then the show was worth it. But oh my God, can you imagine if it didn't help one fucking person? Like, oh my God, how embarrassing. I'd be like, damn, I just really laid my fucking dirty laundry out to just dry and nobody came to take it. Like, what the fuck? Now, to truly start this episode, I'm going to give you a life update that, of course, nobody even fucking asked for, but I'm going to give it to you nice, long, and thick. (laughs) No, I'm just going to give you the honest version of it. So there was an update that I gave you guys a while back ago, and that was how I was applying for jobs. And during this time, I had applied to this company called, if you don't fucking know it, it's called WeWork. And it was for a community associate role, which, (laughs) come on, that literally just means just a bitch that stands behind a desk and gets motherfuckers coffee. That's literally it. And this was the time where, you know, 
we were getting ready to sell our house. It was definitely a slow transition. It didn't happen, you know, in a matter of seconds, but it was, I would say a good five months in planning for this to sell our home and kind of find our next place to live. So I had an option. I could either move to Tennessee with my family or I could do the scariest option and do it on my own, move to Seattle, get a job, do the whole thing. And that's that. At first, I was kind of into the idea of moving to Tennessee until I did more research about Tennessee. And I was like, oh, ooh, <laughs> and I, ooh. that's not going to work for me. That is not going to that's I wouldn't make it in Tennessee. And the funny thing is, all of my friends said the same thing. They were like, Jake, I don't think you would make it in Tennessee. I'm like, what do you mean? Girl, what do you mean? I think I fit in just fine. Oh, no, I would have I would have said the wrong thing at the wrong time to a straight man. And the rest is history. But I think a month into that decision, I was like, I can't fucking move to Tennessee. Like, that's not an option for me. And I knew that the clock was running down you know, till everybody moved. And, you know, it was kind of the thing where it's like, this was an adult decision. Like when we got to go, like you can't be here when you sell a house, you, you got to go, you got to go. Like you can't be there. It's illegal for you to be there. So during this time, this is when the story really does start. So during this time I was applying every, I was applying everywhere, essentially everywhere. I was hitting up old business connections, anything. I was I was literally trying to see whose dick I would have to suck to get a job. Like, I could only get one at the McDonald's, but like, you thought these lips would have done a lot better throughout these years. So during the story, I had a total of three waves of job interviews. The first wave, I had an interview with this company called WeWork, and it was a great opportunity They paid pretty well, and this building, which is in Capitol Hill, is so fucking nice. I was just like, yeah, that would have been fun to work at. But basically, I get this interview, and it's just going so good. Me and the individual are just having such an amazing, phenomenal conversation with each other and really connecting. And after that interview, I really jumped the bullet, and I thought I got it. I started going to friends, family members... I fucking even talked about it, I think, on one of my episodes. And I just talked so highly of this experience and how confident that I was that for it was a for sure done deal that I had gotten this job. Well, imagine my fucking disappointment when I got the furthest thing away from getting that job. It got to the point where I was calling every single day to get a hold of somebody that could tell me if I had gotten the job or not. Cause like it was taken, it was like on the third week. I still hadn't heard anything. So essentially like I'm fucking freaking out. I'm like, oh, like what the fuck do I do? Like, what do I do? Because I had pretty much just fucking told everybody that I had gotten this job and that I was moving back to Seattle. And I had people saying like, yay, like I'm so excited. Like this is gonna be the fucking year. You are popping off BB bitch and I'm not going to lie. I really did take a hit to the mental health, the ego, everything completely collapsed when I got the email that said, sorry, you just didn't make the cut, girl. (laughs) Sorry, I just got back from the dead. They told me you still not that girl. So it was just kind of like one of those situations. And I really did take a hit. I was like, 
yeah, I wanted to die. I was just like looking at my grandpa and he can't understand anything. So I was literally just like looking at him and I was like, grandpa, I found my 13th reason. (laughs) I'll be in the shower. Uh, (laughs) Not me making a suicide joke. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) But at this point I was really in a tough point in my life. I felt like the biggest piece of shit loser because I was looking at myself and observing it. But this is where the part of the episode gets really deep and it saddens me that I said some of this stuff to myself and how I thought about myself. So after that big ego hit, my mental health had taken a turn for the worse because I've been very, I think I've been pretty upfront. Like I suffer from crippling anxiety and crippling depression and I've gotten diagnosed for both of them I'm on medication for it now for my anxiety which also helps with the depression but during this time I wasn't on any medication I was just dealing with it and my mental health went to a place that I hadn't been since high school and you know we're a trooper now we're here we're queer we're living we're living lodge but I just want to take you guys through this point uh, because I feel like it can add some value, you know, maybe if you're going through the same thing, but this is what I was going through. I was looking at myself and observing myself and I had nothing nice to say about myself because the only thing that I was saying about my life was this, Jake, you're a 22 year old man that is living with your grandfather. You are still living in the town you were raised in. You have no job. You have no direction in your life. You are truly drifting wherever life takes you. Essentially, you have no grounding, and that's worse. You will never make it out of this small town, and you will always be the person with big dreams and nothing to show for it. You are in many ways the biggest disappointment this world could ever offer oh god why did i say that to myself why did i say that oh Ooh. oh my god <laughs> oh god sorry guys that just oh god that fucking breaks my heart that actually breaks my heart um you know and, and the reason i put those on is because you know, during this time I was, I was journaling and everything that was in that journal, I just put on here. Those were some pretty dark moments. And I can't believe that I thought of myself as that. And I regret that. And I regret ever saying that to myself and just believing it. But this was the shit that was going on in my head for two months. Those past two months we're like living every day as if it was the same. Essentially, it was Groundhog Day for me. I was in a state of limbo that I thought I would never be able to get out. I remember having almost like psychotic breaks. And I remember going to one of my family members, my aunt, and I just remember talking to her. And I was just like, I think I died and I'm in hell. Because when you die, you know, if you go to hell, some there's theories that you live the same day every single day for the rest of your well for eternity and it's the day that you just don't want to live in and for me it was that it was being stuck in my hometown my childhood bedroom 
and being stuck in a house that so much shit happened from my childhood, it was hell. And I thought I would never get out of it. And I just remember I I kind of went into a state of like, like a psychotic state where like nothing made sense anymore. I was going manic. I don't even know if I'm using that word right, but I felt like I was, I don't like to use this word, but I felt like I was going crazy, not getting sleep. I'm not eating. I'm skinny. I'm losing so much muscle. I was just in a bad state of mind. I remember almost every single day being in a manic crying state. And if anyone has ever been in that kind of state, you understand how bad it can get. You are in a painful state where your head feels like it's on fire. Your body is so weak. You barely can get up to use the bathroom and you pray for death. You essentially, you pray for it. Every single night I was praying, I I wouldn't wake up. I wanted to fucking die every single day because to wake up just means that you are continuing the torture that is your life. Now, full disclosure, I'm not saying this to have a pity party. I, I don't want any of that. I hate that shit. I don't want anybody to throw me a pity party. I'm just saying this because there is always a light at the end of the tunnel, even if you can't see it. And even if it fucking was there, you sometimes still can't see it because you have shitty ass vision. It's crazy to be talking about this because I wrote kind of this episode and just like the the outline of it months ago, but it's kind of weird to be at the state where I'm at right now and just full health and just really loving where I'm at and just reading shit like that and just remembering where I was at that point in my life and just thinking, holy shit, thank God I'm here right now to see it where I'm at right now. Am I surprised? A little bit, but I'm fucking here, bitch. It's kind of like that Miley Cyrus thing where it's like, they tried to kill me. They tried to kill your motherfucking bitch. You know, and I would love to say that I have a step-by-step process that, you know, helped me get through everything and made everything better, but I don't. You know, I can tell you how to wax your badussy, give you a step-by-step process of how to whack that badussy, fuck that badussy, douche that badussy, but I'm not going to be able to tell you a step-by-step of how to get out of limbo. The only thing that I was able to do was time, a lot of crying, medication really did help, talking and being very open about your mental state. I was very open with my aunt about my psychological state, so she knew. You know, and she monitored me, you know, she kind of peeped her head in the door. (laughs) I was like, hey, she's like, you good? (laughs) Rhonda, I love you, bitch. But you know the thing about life? Life's a bitch and then you fucking die. You know, life in general is hard, but no one thing. We're all going through it. And you might look at other people. You might look at social media and say, holy shit. They're beautiful. They have amazing jobs. They're ripped. They're going through it. Probably different ways that are probably a cakewalk for you, but still hard and still unfortunate and still unnecessary. But just know we're all going through it. And my favorite quote, my favorite quote that I use till this day that just kind of empowers me in a weird way is life's a bitch and then you fucking die. Like, that's all I can say about that. Let's say life is a bitch and then you die. Allow yourself to kind of analyze that quote and see what you get out of it for yourself. 
But in saying all of this, wrapping up this depressing fucking part of this episode, what was the day that changed everything for me? Well, I'll fucking tell ya. The day for me revolved around talking to my family member, my aunt more specifically, love you bitch. And I told her how I saw myself. And to God's degree, it really did make things better because how I saw myself was not how that person saw me, was not how my friends saw me, was not how my superiors saw me. The people who love you, who genuinely love you, see you a lot differently than how you see yourself. And and thank God for that. If you have a good support system, thank God for that. I'm blessed for my family, my friends that were able to put up with that part of my mental health for three months and the constant conversations of anxiety or just uh, downright unstructured types of conversations or discussions or you know, anybody that has mental health issues, you know that when you're going through it, your conversations don't make sense. Hanging out with you is not that much fun. I probably wasn't that much fun to hang out with, but that's normal. So after having that conversation with my family member and a much needed fucking pep talk, I got back on my feet and I started applying myself again. I went through another round of doing job searches and interviews, but I did make a promise myself because going through these different rounds of interviews definitely was triggering my mental health. Because when you are doing the job search out of college, it is completely degrading. You're looking at yourself and being like, wow, why did I bust my balls over fucking glass floors and get a 4.0 GPA if I can't even get a job interview with anybody? What was the point? It's a degrading experience. It definitely affects people's mental health. And it was a trigger for mine. But I needed to stay strong. I needed to get back on my feet. And I needed to try one last time, which was the third time. And I'm so happy that I did. But I did make a promise myself that if after all of this hard work, if nothing came from it, then I would take it as a sign and I would move to good old Tennessee with the rest of the family. So I went through the rounds again. And long story short, not only did I get a job offer, I got three amazing job offers all at the same time with three different companies. This feeling was enough to pull me right out of my depressive state. I was just like, oh my God, I'm a motherfucking seat girl now. I was like, we're moving to Seattle. And these were not, you know, quickie bucks, like kind of jobs. Like these were actually real fucking jobs. Like 401k, health insurance, dental insurance, vision, all this shit. It was amazing, and I I was so happy. I ended up picking an amazing job that I'm so grateful that I have, and I absolutely love it, and I'm good at it. Like, what? Oh, my God. Like, I'm good at my job. Like, what the fuck? Like, that's weird. That's weird. That's suspicious, but I'm good at it, and I love it, and I'm blessed. Hashtag blessed the fuck up. I'm happy. I'm so happy. However, even though this situation was enough to pull me out of my my mental state, I still needed to be smart about what just happened. 
and I knew that I needed to get help. I knew that I needed to go to my doctor and which honestly I was not sad to do because my doctor is so fucking hot. Like, holy shit. I literally, every single time I see my doctor, I'm like, oh my God, like, thank God I'm wearing a mask because my cheeks hurt. My face cheeks, not my butt cheeks. My face cheeks hurt from how much I'm blushing because you are just so goddamn fucking yummy and delicious and beautiful. And I, oh my God. Oh my God. It sucked when I found out he had wife and kids, but then I was like, and, and no, I'm kidding. This feeling was enough to essentially pull me out of my state. Thank God. Thank God. I was out of limbo now, but I knew that I needed to change something because I knew that living in any city, you can't afford this to happen. I knew that my mental health was not really being checked. It really was not being taken care of. And I knew that I needed to start walking down a path towards that. Because in this city, you don't have time to be depressed. It's too expensive to be depressed. Like, I can't miss a day of work. You know, like, nobody can really miss a day of work. Like, especially when you're young and you're grinding. Like, I don't have time to take a sick day. That's just not, that's just not in the cards for me right now. So I knew that I needed to really check myself and that kind of continued with having a conversation with myself and kind of testing the ego a little bit. And that essentially was, should I get on medication? You know, should I talk to my doctor about being put on some type of mood stabilizer or anti-anxiety or depressive or depression, you know, medication? And look, I don't, I'm not a huge advocate for, I don't, antidepressants. I think they can be rather dangerous if you're not monitoring them correctly. I think they can completely take a lot of sensations that humans need to feel away. Like crying, like I wasn't able to cry for the first two months I was on it, you know, and I really wasn't able to feel a lot either. But now I think being kind of that third month in now I'm actually kind of able to start breathing again and kind of just feeling normal. Now what? Well, I've officially been living in the city for three months now and I couldn't feel more proud of myself. I can say comfortably that I could not have gotten here without my friends, my chosen family And my past mistakes, baby girl. And now that doesn't mean past hookups. I mean it in every sense of the word. Now catching up to the present. Bitches, I'm fucking back. And I'm fucking better than ever. I'm a motherfucking sick girl. (laughs) That's been my favorite thing to say ever since I moved to Seattle. It's like, we don't drive. We motherfucking sick girls. We take the Uber. We take the Uva Java. But I've been living in the city the way that I have always wanted to. I am the one taking advantage of the city, not the other way around. I'm doing exceptionally well. I don't have to worry about money anymore. This is the very first time in my entire life that I'm not rummaging for food, that I'm not asking people to split the bill with me or, you know, asking for any kind of handout or sucking dick for fucking a burger. Like 
this is the first time in my life that I just, the only thing that I have to worry about is just myself and my mental state and my relationships and my future. But it's something to consider that, you know, life's moments are not always going to be like this. They're going to be hard. You know, you're going to struggle. But what makes it all worth it are the moments like that. Glimpses in time where you can look up at the sky and know that in that fucking moment, that one glimpse of a moment, that one glimpse of a moment, that glimpse of time, one moment in your story, that life is absolutely perfect and life is good and that life can be kind. Savor every moment like this because you never know how long that perfect moment is going to last the last time before you have to go through the struggle all over again just to get to that moment that you're experiencing right now. Guys, thank you so much for watching the show. I love you so much. And of course, I will see you next week for the very last episode to the first season of the fucking gay Bible. I will see you then. Bye-bye.